Welcome to the On The Air podcast, a companion to On The Air magazine, a bi-monthly magazine from ARRL that is for beginner to intermediate ham radio licensees. I'm your host and the editor of On The Air magazine, Becky Schoenfeld, W1BXY. Every month, the On The Air podcast extends material found in On The Air magazine to help you learn more about the many things the ham radio service and hobby has to offer. The On The Air podcast is sponsored by ICOM for the love of ham radio. Welcome to the July 2023 episode. As part of ARL's designation of 2023 being the year of the volunteers, in every issue this year of On The Air, we are featuring an article about specific volunteer positions in the ARRL field organization. In the July-August 2023 issue, that article focused on volunteers who handle traffic, which is ham speak for saying passing messages. Today, we have one of those traffic volunteers with us, Ethan Hansen, KC1OIP. Welcome, Ethan. Hi, Becky. Good to be here. Thanks so much for being here. So you serve in ARL's National Traffic System, also known as the NTS, um, passing traffic as an official relay station. Now, what exactly is an official relay station and what makes it different from, say, just a ham who checks into a net to pass traffic? Sure. So an official relay station is the AWRL field position uh, that basically means that I have gone through enough training and passed enough traffic that the net manager and the section traffic manager feels that, you know, I can get appointed to the field position of an official relay station. Um, I've demonstrated the skills to take traffic, pass traffic in a variety of kind of, uh, how do I put this, band conditions, um, and can kind of go to any traffic net anywhere in the United States and be able to pick up pretty quickly um, the uh, be able to basically pass traffic on any net in the United States sort of thing. Uh, specifically, you know, you don't have to be an official relay station to pass traffic on a net. Anybody can come to a net and say, I have traffic. But in ORS, you know, I've gone through, uh, for example, the Eastern Massachusetts two-meter traffic net that I'm a part of mostly has a specific set of training where the net manager and a couple other stations will make sure that you are comfortable with the various ins and outs of traffic handling and then says, hey, I think you're ready to become an official relay station and we'll submit all the paperwork to the section traffic manager at the ARL. So there is some official training? So there... On the net that I'm a part of, there is. Um, and I believe other nets across the United States does do different types of trainings. Um, like, I know, um, like, out in Wisconsin, what the, the Chris NX9K and Jim N9VC, uh, I think I got his call right, send a lot of kind of, a, you know, uh, welcome to amateur radio messages. And they use those to train new stations to get comfortable sending messages. Um, you know, as I believe this was mentioned in the NTS 2.0 uh, website and article, we are trying to kind of standardize that sort of training versus it being a net by net sort of thing. But I think it really helped um, 
because it got you com- got me comfortable with the concept of a directed net, um, the concept of pro words and speaking slowly and spelling out complicated words and finally learning the native phonetic alphabet. Um, and I'd really love it to be NTS wide because um, I, I really feel like it helped me become a better traffic handler. Yeah, you mentioned NTS 2.0. Um, you know, the NTS is uh, a really um, old and venerated system. It's been around, you know, just about as long as, uh, as ham radio has been around. And uh, NTS 2.0 is something that's being worked on right now. We had a recent article in QST about it. Um, that might be something folks want to look to. I can't remember the exact issue it was in. I believe it was in the, the July 2023 issue. There's an article um, that explains what the goals are for NTS 2.0. Um, and, uh, and as you just mentioned, um, getting that training standardized sounds like it would be a, a really great part of that. Yeah. You may want to double check with Fred on that. I don't completely remember if that was in the article or not. Yeah, I don't remember if it was exactly, but, uh, you know, it, it, uh, that kind of standardization, you know, making sure things are the same across the whole program, um, that's uh, part of what uh, NTS 2.0, I believe, is, is hoping to do. Like, so. just, just to clarify, I really benefited from the training that our net manager does. Uh, it's a Peter KC1HHO. But that is not a requirement for you to become an official relay station. Um, it's just that it was just something that Peter came up with to make it easier for people to become more comfortable and checking into the net. But all you really have to do is, you know, find your local traffic net, start listening in, um, the adage of, you know, listen before you transmit sort of thing. And then... At least our net always welcomes new check-ins. Um, we love to see people getting interested in NTS. And, you know, if your net doesn't have a dedicated training system, check into those nets, you know, start sending traffic, and then work with your net manager or section traffic manager to become an ORS. Uh, we're always looking for new traffic handlers, for sure. So how many... Um, official relay stations might there be in a, a certain area? So I think it varies. I don't I don't have exact numbers, um, but I know like the Eastern Mass commuter traffic net sees anywhere between um, oh goodness, right on a good night maybe ten stations checking in, <laughs> and that's just a local uh, VHF two meter like. That's a local two-meter net, um, and then it goes up from there. And most nets I tune into, you've got, at a minimum, on a busy night, five stations, upwards of ten stations. So I can't give you exact numbers, but there are more than enough traffic handlers, at least in Eastern Mass, to cover our, um, our kind of service area, quote-unquote. That being said, like, you know, people retire, people get out of ham radio, so we're always looking for, um, you know, new hams 
to get in to traffic handling so that we can maybe give a break to the people who are doing it for a very long time so they don't have to pass hundreds of messages <laughs> those can get split across multiple stations. In your path to becoming an official relay station, were you intentionally looking to do this? Um, how, how long uh, had you been passing traffic before uh, you became an ORS? So what I'll say, it, I kind of happened into it. Um, before I got licensed, I was just kind of listening to the various and started hearing traffic being passed and listening to it. Then I got licensed and I checked into the net and it ended up for me being a great way to kind of learn the ins and outs of ham radio as a new ham because it's a directed net. So it follows a very specific pattern every night. And that was a great way for me to get over mic fright, mm -hmm. to learn the phonetic alphabet. But I just kind of happened into it because it was like the first that I ever kind of heard. Um, as far as time between getting my uh, license and my ORS, let me look that up. So I got licensed in December of 2020. So you're a very recent licensee. What the, what led you into the hobby? So part of it was I used to be an EMT. Um, so I was already kind of familiar with the concept of radio. Uh, I'm very much a scanning enthusiast. And my grandfather was a ham. And it's one of those things where it's like, I've always known it existed. Mm -hmm. And then it was one of those COVID happened. I'm at home and you know what, I'll take, I'll take the exam. Why not? Uh, and then that kind of snowballed from there. And I think that's a very common story um, among hams. So do you have to have a certain kind of station set up to be an ORS? What, what would you say is, uh, is uh, acceptable, you know, a, a good, um, good working station for an ORS? So at minimum, and it depends on the net schedule in your area, is a VHF, UHF rig, and a decent antenna. Um, because the way the traffic system works is that on the lo quote unquote, local level, it's almost done entirely through VHF, UHF repeaters. Mm -hmm. yeah. So you don't have to have a complicated HF setup. You don't have to do packet. Like those are nice, but did you just get started? And we have people checking on the net with just eight handhelds. Um, if you can hit your VHF, VHF repeater, have pretty decent reception to it, and can multitask, <laughs> uh, you can be an ORS. Um, because the other part of it is you're not necessarily always going to be at your desk. Like you may, maybe field day, for example that you're in the field with an HT and all you have is an HT and a, and a notebook. Now, nice to haves for ORS are HF capabilities because the further you go up the kind of NTS chain, like you start doing the wider area nets, uh, like first region, uh, it's all over HF just because it covers a much larger geographic area. And if you really want to be helpful, you can get into packet radio and join the digital traffic network. 
because there's a backbone um, of digital stations that run uh, basically bulletin boards where traffic can be posted and pulled from. But just to get started, VHF, UHF. And what is this time commitment like for you? How many hours a week? How many hours a month? Um, you said that uh, there are often, you know, multiple ORSs in a region. Um, so, you know, is it, um, it, do you have to be present um, all the time on the net? What's the commitment like? So it's entirely up to the traffic handler. Um, for me, you know, going to sound extreme but if i can make it to the net i try to check in at least every night and our net runs anywhere from 20 minutes to about 45 minutes depending on how much traffic there is uh, so it could be a commitment of anywhere as low as a couple hours a week to maybe six or seven hours a week for me mm. um, but I don't have to check in every single night because I know that, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of traffic handles in my area. Like, for example, for my like, kind of little geographic area, there's two or three. So I know that if I don't check in, there's a good possibility that traffic get picked up. Or um, because there's multiple uh, local nets in this area, they can take it to a later cycle. So, like, if they don't make it to the Eastern Mass net, there's the heavy hitters traffic net like an hour later. So if there's a emergent piece of traffic, it's almost guaranteed to get picked up because your geographic area doesn't matter if it's emergency traffic. Like, because it's listed up on like town. So we'll get that in a second. But yeah, it, it's anywhere from a couple hours a week to maybe five or six hours a week. Um, that will vary because sometimes I'll try to check into uh, an HF net or a digital net and the digital net especially can take maybe an hour it's about an hour a week uh, just because it's a new mode that we're trying to figure out um, works with your schedule like if you can make every, every net that's awesome but please don't like you know, speed because you need to make it to the 8 p.m. net and you're like running late from work or something. So whatever, whatever you can contribute, um, it yep. sounds like it's it's flexible that that way. That's great. You mentioned um, that that uh, you had an interest in scanners for a while. How did that interest um, it? inform your experience on the nets, if at all? So between this, the scanner, well, obviously public safety radio discipline is different, well, kind of different from ham radio discipline, but I already kind of had an idea from all the scanning I listened to, because so I would occasionally pick up um, ham radio repeaters, and my time was at EMT that you listen more than you talk and you know the standard like hold down your transmit key for a second and a half before you talk because it, I the scanning stuff and the EMT stuff kind of gave me a very basic level of radio etiquette um, 
and then the net really reinforced that. Uh, I know I said in my for the article that concept of a, a directed net that structured like I think it's really helpful. Um, yeah, the, the scanning and EMT gave me a very the, the baseline of radio communication, and then actually participating really, uh, I guess, improved upon that. Do you have any stories about particularly unusual or memorable traffic? Yes, actually I do. Um, so the majority of traffic we handle is a lot of welcome to amateur radio sort of stuff or like, you know, please renew your license. So that's the day to day. But every so often, um, we do get, I'm not going to say legitimate, because all traffic's legitimate, but a slightly higher priority of traffic coming in. Um, probably the most interesting, the two most interesting things I've done is I've done some exercises with Army Mars, where, Region 2, where they'll send, probably over the course of a week, eight or nine messages asking you questions like uh where's the closest helipad to you uh where's the closest hospital and what's the bearing so they're sending these test messages that would actually be legitimate information in the case of an emergency which kind of requires you to go out do some research formulate your message back and send it that's a training exercise and in terms of actual non-training traffic uh, we have worked with a local search and rescue group, um, one of the USAR teams, and their one of their communications people is a ham, and he decided, what if we use the NTS system to do both test messages for activations, so that okay, we're going to use NTS as a backup method so that if phones go down or what have you, we can get that information out. So we did a lot of test activations for the search and rescue where we weren't really given a lot of heads up. We had a lot of messages come in to a varied amount of people across the state that said, you know, the first I was like, this is a test and said, you know, please show up to the bunker X, Y, Z. And then we did get a, a series of actual priority messages related to a real search and rescue activation, which thankfully all the training had kind of prepared us for of calling somebody at 9.30 at night saying, here's a message from the search and rescue commander, and it all went through the traffic system. Uh, that's probably the most interesting traffic I've passed because it dealt with a real actual situation where most messages you wait for the next day to, to um, deliver because you're not about to call somebody up at nine o'clock at night to say welcome to amateur radio. This is one of those things where you kind of had to get over the slight like, am I going to inconvenience somebody by picking up the phone at 9 p.m.? And the response we got was actually extremely positive. They actually appreciated that they now had a, another option for getting information out to their members. And it was almost an overwhelmingly positive response um, from both the members and also the leadership. So that was probably the most interesting past like, I personally trust. Uh, past, excuse me. Um, 
you know, I'm sure my HF rate would cooperate more and I was up a level, there'd be some more interesting traffic passing at, say, the section level. Um, uh, and it's also really interesting, you know, I've done some kind of pen pal stuff with another net out in Texas uh, where we'd kind of send, um, you know, just trivia back and forth uh, for a little bit. That was kind of cool. I know people played like chess over NTS and stuff like that, but yeah, actually getting a message that was priority after months of routine messages really makes me thankful for all the all the routine messages. To your point, you know, you said uh, you used the word legitimate. All the traffic is le is legitimate because it all ends up being practice for uh, for something that's higher priority. So if somebody um, watching or listening to this podcast is interested in being of service in this way, um, what advice would you have for them? I mean, you seem to have taken a very fast path here. Um, is that typical? Is, is somebody new going to look at uh, how quickly you did this and go, oh my gosh, I, I could never do that? Um, you know, what, what might you say to somebody like that? I would say take it at your own pace. Um, don't feel like you have to rush into it. Make sure that you are comfortable with traffic handling. Like, make sure that, you know, do go at your own pace. Do as much learning as you feel comfortable with. If you feel like you're comfortable after only a couple of nets and the STM and the net manager feels the same way, then great. If you want to be extremely careful and kind of take it slow, that's fine too. Um, I don't think there's really any right or wrong way to become a traffic handler. It's go at your own pace. If it interests you, then awesome. If you find it's not for you, plenty of other parts of ham radio to enjoy. I will always welcome you on nets, whether you're passing traffic or not. Ethan, you mentioned a few minutes ago about um, if you were at the next level. Um, in what kind of next level is that? Is it a, is it a higher position? Is it passing traffic at a, in a, a larger area? Yeah, I need to pull up the map. So to clarify, what I mean by next level is not level of relay station. Uh, it's level of geographic area and um, equipment. So I have to go pull up the map. But so the net I'm on mostly is more of like a regional net. No, sorry, not regional, local. Regional is completely different. So I'm on a local net. So the Eastern Mass net covers Eastern Massachusetts. So kind of the eastern coast of Massachusetts, because uh, the repeater has coverage. Um, and then you have above that, above, quote unquote, is, I believe it's the Mastered Island phone net, and I believe that's called a section level net. So it's kind of the same way with the the, the ARL designation, the ARL designations of like sections and regions and all that, the NTS follows a very similar way. So you have local nets, which cover a, 
specific geographic region, like a major metro region, for example, like the Big Apple traffic net in New York covers New York City. Oh. And then you have a section net, which covers a wider area. Uh, for example, the Master Island phone net, which is on 75 meters, covers you know southern, a part of southern New England. So it covers Massachusetts or an island. Um, sometimes you'll check in from New Hampshire. Um, and then you have the region nets. So first region covers most of the eastern United States, I think. Um, and it's that's what I mean by next level, where it's like basically wider geographic level. Um, yeah, it you, you don't need a different designation for that. If if you have the equipment to do it, we definitely the more people on wider area nets, the better. The more people that know CW, the better. Because there are also CW nets that are also cover larger regions. Um, there is a map um, somewhere uh, that kind of covers the, um, the local up to regional, back down to local again. Um, that's more what I mean. Yeah, any, anybody can do that. It's just, uh, I have a very limited HF setup at home, so it's hard for me to check into the 80 meters. So, Ethan, what would you say you personally get out of being an ORS? Uh, you, you do put a lot of time into it. Um, it's completely voluntary. Why do you choose to, to spend so much of your time doing this? So part of it is the social aspect, to be honest with you. It's... I know that every night there's going to be at least three or four people whose voices I recognize on a net. That it's that nice sort of like, I know a lot of new hams struggle with it, because I did, finding a place to talk to people. Like, it's not a rag chew net, but we do have a comment section. So you get a chance to talk with the same people every night. And I think it really helps. There, that's part of it. The other part of it is, getting over mic freight if you're know that you have traffic to pass or you may pick up traffic you're gonna have to pick up that mic and you're gonna have to key up and i think that structured known entity every night i know that there's always a net there there's probably gonna be traffic pick up the mic and transmit sort of thing it also goes into other parts of ham radio because um, most traffic nets are uh, directed nets. There's a structure to it, and you learn your pro words and phrases and your uh, abbreviations and your phonetic alphabet and learning to slow down, which then helps with getting onto HF for the first time because you need to slow down, you need to listen, you need to enunciate, you need to use pro words like to really get heard in HF because of the banning conditions, for example, or contesting. Um, and also, for me, it also helps in public service because a lot of public service nets or emergency nets are either direct or hybrid. So if I can get comfortable with the concept on a relatively low stakes net, I don't have to worry as much during an actual emergency or an yep. event because I've spent every night 
on a on a directed traffic net. I already know that. Listen to net control. Uh, be concise. Be succinct. Don't take don't take up airtime unless you need to sort of thing. Um, versus kind of being like thrown into emergency and being like, I don't know what to do. Those nice, more routine, low stakes experiences where you learn the structure. You learn that there's a nice sort of box around the interaction. Um, it sounds like it creates a safe place where you can learn and, and get your feet under you. Yeah, it, it really does. It, you know, everybody enjoys ham radio differently. and Everybody gets into ham radio differently. But I think for me personally, that structured space was a great way for me to learn. And then from there, you know, I've worked three Boston marathons. Um, I've done Skywarn nets. I've done Aries nets. And it's like that structured experience from NTS has helped me in those situations. Um, because I just, you have that implicit sort of like, oh, this is directed net or a hybrid net. And I know what that term means now because I've participated in one for the past, like, six months. And also, um, at least, you know, on our net, and I'm sure on every other net, everyone is extremely helpful. If you have a question, you know, maybe wait till after the net, but there's literally a section saying, is there any other business? Like, and if you need to talk to somebody after the net, just let them know. So if you have an unrelated question, like, about just ham radio in general, there's a bunch of seasoned veterans on that net who are more than willing to, to help you out. Thank you so much, Ethan, for being with us today and talking about your experiences in ORS. Yeah, happy to, uh, to chat, and hopefully this gets some people interested. And yeah, it's, I really enjoyed my time as an ORS, and I will continue doing so. All right, well, thank you so much. The On The Air podcast will be back in August, 73. 73.